Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al Lundy, and it is a pleasure to be speaking with you this evening. This is a, a, a tough weekend in, in the liturgy of, of the church. At least it is for those of us in in the clergy, maybe for some in, in laity, but certainly uh, this is a tough time to be a preacher uh, based on these readings, and I'll, I'll explain that to you in, in just a moment. Um, we are entering the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time, just just a few Sundays left. By the end of November, uh, we're going to be into Advent, getting ready for Christmas. I think we have three weeks, right? Yeah, three weeks left. To uh, It's gone so fast. This whole summer has just flown. So three weeks left, and then we're, we, we begin Advent. So we're wrapping up Ordinary Time right now. Our first reading is going to be from Malachi. Our second reading is uh, still Paul to the Thessalonians, and our gospel will be from Matthew. And in these readings, you'll see why I'm saying it's it's a tough time to be a preacher. Um, Jesus doesn't say anything against preaching, but what he said says is always misunderstood. So we'll we'll try and ex- explain it a little bit, um, the good news and, and the bad news of it, as, as we go through our readings. As far as what's happening in the church— for most of the parishes in the Peoria Diocese, and I know we're, we're, we speak now to the Rockford Diocese as, as well as possibly, do we reach into Springfield yet, John? We're getting close. We'll be, we'll be touching on Springfield someday. But right now in the, in the Peoria Diocese, uh, we're going through a process that has touched Springfield and St. Louis and Chicago and, and a number of other dioceses in the country. I think about Right now, I think 28 dioceses are in the same process we're in at this very moment, and some have already uh, gotten through it. Uh, we call it growing disciples. Uh, we have, as, as you know, um, a decrease in attendance at Mass. This is a, a decrease that has been going on. Really, it's, it started in the 70s uh, and, and has been steadily declining and then took a big hit, of course, during covid and haven't fully recovered from that. So we have a lot of churches that are near empty on, on Sundays. And we also have a shortage of priests. And there's a lot of contributing factors to that. Uh, but uh, fewer men entering the uh, seminary. In fact, John, do you know how far back the, the shortage, do you know when the shortage of priests began? Think about this. When, when did we start losing priests? After World War II. Even further back than Vatican II, the, the shortage of priests actually started in World War II, especially in Europe. We lost a lot of priests on the battlefield who were chaplains. We lost a lot of priests in Europe to the concentration camps. In fact, it was, it, it was Vatican II when the resurgence of, of the diaconate, um, of my diaconate uh, vocation, was brought back because it had been gone since about the third or fourth century. And it was brought back during Vatican II because of World War II. So the, the, the Germans made this huge mistake of they, they took, they gathered up all the priests, or a lot of priests from, uh, from Austria and, and the German regions, 
And they put them into one uh, camp together, one, one POW camp altogether. And they put them in, they, they split them up, put them in different barracks. Well, the priests started doing mass in the barracks. They started doing prayers and, and strengthening people to, uh, to persevere through, through the, the, the problems, the, the atrocities of the camp through prayer and, and through offering the mass. And that wasn't helping the Germans' goal. I mean, the whole goal of the, of the POW camps was, was to uh, break down the morale of the people and to, to really create very broken people should they ever get out of the camps. Uh, they didn't want them to have uh, any kind of moral strength at all. And here you had these priests spread out through the camp helping. So they said, well, that's not going to work. Let's, let's get them out of the barracks and put them together. So they put all the priests together in a, in, in a couple of barracks. Well, what do priests do when you get them all together in a room? They hold meetings. That's what priests do. They, they, they meet. They discuss things. So what happened was they started putting together plans of how to keep the church in Europe active when the war ended, not knowing who was going to win. What if the Allies won? How would we bring back the church? because the church had been pretty much decimated by the war. Um, most of the religious had been killed or locked up. Most of the clergy had been killed or locked up or were, were uh, actively in the military as, as working as chaplains or as medics. So they had to bring the, the, the church back together again in Europe and make it functional. So how are we going to do that? Well, the, the other problem was, well, what if the Allies don't win? What if the Germans win? What do we do? What happens if all these priests in, in the POW camp die in camp? How will the church continue without these hundreds of, of priests? And it was in these meetings that they decided what had to happen was the diaconate had to be returned, that we had to get men out of the laity, uh, sometimes married men, men with families, to come back into the clerical life to help support the priesthood in, in ways, as well as to serve the community since there would be fewer priests. They needed more deacons to do what deacons originally did in, in uh, Scripture, which was to support the, the people, the widows, the orphans, because there were going to be a lot of widows, widows and orphans needing help after the war. So then the war ends, the Allies win, and shortly after that, Vatican II is called. And... So the priests who, were, who had survived the, the camp put together a plan to present to the Pope on, re, on a resurgence of the diaconate. And that's how the new diaconate came about, was through World War II. So it was in World War II, we first lost all these priests, and the church has never fully recovered from that. And now it's, it's gotten even worse because fewer and fewer uh, young men enter the seminary. In fact, it's amazing how so much of our seminaries now have a large percentage of men who are coming to the priesthood after they've had years in a professional life. Where before it used to be you came right, right out of high school into, into, a, into a seminary program. First a minor, then a, then a major seminary. Well, now men who already have their degrees, they've already been professionals, have come back into uh, the, the, the life of, of a priest. 
We have uh, lots of examples of that in our in our own uh, diocese, which is a wonderful thing. But the problem is we don't get as many years of service out of them as we do out of a young man who comes in. So right now, I think we're set, and, and don't hold me to this number, but I think uh, this year, I believe we had four young men become priests. And next year, we're going to have four or five. And then the year after that, right now, we're slated for three. These are people who are already in the seminary. We lose more priests than that every year. They're getting older. Some get ill, accidents, whatever, um, retire. So we're, we're losing more priests than we're gaining. And right now, the, the expectation is that in 25 years, we will have half the number of priests in the diocese that we have today. And we don't have enough today to, to operate all of our churches. And so that's why this growing discipleship program I, I started to tell you about is taking place. Not enough priests in the pipeline too many priests leaving the priesthood because of illness or, or retirement. And so we're looking 25 years down the road, we're going to have 60 to 80 priests. Currently, we have over 150 parish churches. Something's got to give. You can't keep doing what you've always done and expect to get a different result. So it means we have to do something different. So the, the church is... Uh, Re, re, reinvigorating itself, re, redesigning itself. And so as part of our growing discipleship program, as I say, as this has been done in, in many dioceses already and in, in the process now in several dioceses in our country, we're looking at merging multiple parishes together into a new parish and looking at how we use churches. Which churches do we use the most? Which do we use the least? Which no longer need to be used uh, because of the new parish uh, configuration. And so by now, all of our parishes have had a parish meeting where the, the proposal from the bishop has been made known. And if anybody wants to see that proposal, they can go to our diocesan website at cdop.org and look at it there. It, it outlines uh, vicariate, by, vicariate, vicariate by vicariate, region by region throughout the diocese, um, what parishes will be merged, what churches will be kept in operation and what churches will be labeled not for use. In other words, um, looking at closing their doors now or in the very near future. So you've all seen that for your parish. Some of you are going to be very upset about these decisions. For some of you, you're going to look at this and say, okay, I'll just, I'll just adjust in this way. And there's, you can adjust by staying with your new parish, going to the, uh, uh, church building you've always gone to. Some are going to adjust by going to a different parish and start attending a different church. And that's fine. Uh, there's no problem with that. What we want to caution you against is making the third choice of stopping uh, your faith, of halting your faith. Don't let that be one of your options. You're playing right into the devil's hands when you do that. I mean, this this kind of a of an upset in the church can be either very healthy or can for for the church body as a whole or it can be very damaging when individuals make the wrong decisions and they choose to do the evil rather than the good the good is to look for an option to stay active in your faith 
the, the evil would be to cast your faith aside simply because a physical structure closed. Remember that the, the, the people of Christ, the body of Christ, the, the parish is the human community. It's the human union that forms the body of Christ, not the building. The building is simply where we gather. And, and believe me, I understand that these buildings carry great emotional um, connection. And, and that's, that's beautiful. That's fine. But don't let that overwhelm. Don't let the corporal overwhelm the, the temporal. Um, it's much more important that you stay within the spirit of your faith than to worry about whether you can go back to the same building that was used by the faith community. So, so keep that in mind and, and, and let, let God guide you in that decision. But don't cast your faith aside because of, of what's happening. We're looking at the readings for this Sunday, the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time, uh, the readings that were, will be read, uh, proclaimed uh, in the Mass. And we're going to start off uh, right off the bat here with a, a reading from the book of the prophet Malachi. A great king am I, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. And now, O priests, this commandment is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and your blessing, and I will, and your blessing I will make a curse. You have turned aside from the way and have caused many to falter by your instruction. You have made void the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. I therefore have made you contemptible and base before all the people. Since you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your decisions, have we not all the one Father? Has not the one God created us? Why then do we break faith with one another, violating the covenant of our fathers? The word of the Lord. As I say, this weekend's readings, very hard on priests and preachers. And as deacons were, were part of that preacher crowd, um, all three readings really take to task. Uh, priests and preachers. In this case, uh, Malachi is is talking to the the, the Levites of of the uh, the tribes of Israel uh, because they've messed up. They've they've turned away from God. They ha- they're not worshiping in the, in the way God told them to worship. They've allowed some of the tribes to uh, to break some of the uh, the immediate rules that were set down uh, in the Mosaic laws. There's a lot of intermarrying going on with other religions. And a, a lot of uh, a lot of families now are turning to paganism, and Malachi's calling the, the the Levites to task on this, saying, "This is your fault, because of of your poor teaching. People are turning away from God." Well, an argument could be said even today that some people turn away from their faith because of the bad preaching of priests and deacons uh, at at mass, and and we hear we hear that sometimes. Uh, and we should take note of it. Uh, God's warning us uh, to be good shepherds and and to be good teachers. So then in our in our reading from uh, Paul to the Thessalonians, Paul writes, "Brothers and sisters, we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cares for her children. With such affection for you, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves as well. So, Dearly beloved, had you become so dearly beloved, had you become to us? 
You recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and our drudgery, working night and day in order not to burden any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. And for this reason, we too give thanks to God unceasingly that in receiving the word of God from hearing us, you received not a human word, but as, as it truly is, the word of God, which is now at work in you who believe, the word of the Lord. So again, Paul brings us the flip side of the earlier reading. So in the first reading, we have God chastising uh, the Levites for being bad teachers. And now we have Paul setting for us the example of what, what a good teacher should look like, what a, what a good priest should look like, a good bishop should look like, should be someone who, who knows their flock, who knows their community, and who treats them with the care of a nursing mother, which means who, who feeds them constantly, right, and, and to strengthen them and, and, and protect them. That's the role of the, the, the bishop, the priest, and the deacon. Uh, Pope, uh, Pope Francis uh, said it very well when he, when he said that uh, a, good pre- a good priest is like a good shepherd. You should smell like your sheep. Well, that's, that's a good point. You should be close to the people you're leading. A good priest doesn't do it from, from the office, doesn't do it from behind the desk. He does it from being in the community. Uh, the, 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 my brother deacons and I, uh, that's what we're called to do as well. Uh, we're, we're not to be distant servants. Uh, we're, we're to serve the people up close and personal. Uh, to smell like the sheep, to be part of the flock is, is what the Pope calls us to. And, and so Paul sets that example, and, and you can hear that, that, you know, he says, we toiled with you uh, through the drudgery, working night and day in order not to burden any of you. Uh, the, the, the role of the church is not to make life harder for people. It's to help people may find life more bearable through the teachings of Christ, through the support and the ministries of the church. Uh, Christ's entire ministry was built on healing. And not just physical healing, but but spiritual healing and moral healing uh, were all part of his ministry, and they were they were the bulk of his ministry. And so Paul's Paul's showing that example of what a good a good servant leadership uh, looks like, and this is where the church, quite honestly, in in some parts of the world, in some countries, in some aspects of leadership, uh, we failed, and and we see that in. In the, the what we've seen in in the lack of attendance at mass, you know, people say I'm 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 Catholic but I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Well, I have no idea what that means, uh, other than um, I don't go to church anymore. Is pretty much what it comes down to. I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. I don't go to church. Well, how how can you say that you're spiritual if you don't follow the commands of Christ? And and Jesus says, eat of my of my body and blood. How can how can you follow Christ without being at the Eucharist? You know that's where we gain our strength to go out and do what we do as the body of Christ. That comes through the strength of of the liturgy of the Mass. But part of that lack of attendance, part of that does come back to the role of the, the bishop, the priest, and the deacon. And and I hope, I certainly hope and pray that I haven't been a cause of that. With anyone, and I, I know that my pastor uh, feels that way as well. Um, he tries to be. I, I think he's a very hands-on uh, in in the people, 
in the in the flock, a shepherd among his flock, uh, role. Uh, I've only met uh, our bishop on a few occasions, but I have been very impressed with him in that he's he's really really focused on growing evangelization, growing ministry. Uh, his constant question to the parishes are, what are you doing outside of the parish in the community? How are you reaching out to people? How are you sharing the love of Christ with others who don't come to you? Because we can't just wait for people to come into the church to care for them. The shepherd doesn't just doesn't just help the sheep who are in the pen. He goes out and he finds the ones who are missing and brings them in to care for them. And do we do that enough? I don't know. I mean, we try to, uh, to various degrees. It's a big church, and I can't say that every parish tries to do that. I hope they would. But that's certainly the focus of our, of our bishop, is to get every parish focused on going outside and serving those who don't come to us that we're going to them. Uh, and that, quite honestly, it's a kind of a scary thing to do. And, and it's, it's not something that traditionally the church has been particularly um, well-practiced at. Been better since Vatican II. Uh, we were horrible at it before Vatican II. Uh, the whole point of Vatican II 60 years ago was to get us off the block, as it were, and, and into the public. And we've gotten better, but are we doing everything we could do? Not yet. But that requires, you can't count on just the clergy to do that because the laity outnumbers us like 1,500 to one. So it's important that uh, our role is to help get the laity involved in ministry and get the laity to to understand their role as as, as disciples and, and apostles. So Paul shows us the right way to do it, to get in there with the people, to work side by side. In our gospel from Matthew, uh, from chapter 23, Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets and seats of honor in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, so why is this important? This is important because our Protestant brothers and sisters, not all, but some will point at this one reading out of all the liturgy, out of all the scriptures, point at this one reading and say, aha, you call your priest father. You people do not follow scripture. And that's a lot of bunk. I'm sorry. That's 
that's taking one little portion of Scripture out of its context without looking at Scripture as a whole. And you need to do that because when you look at the whole Scripture, what do you find? You find God saying, honor your mother and your father. He refers to Abraham as what? Father of the nations. Right? So we have God calling people father who are not him, who are not God himself. Teacher. You can't call people your teacher? Who led your class all through your grade school? If that wasn't your teacher, who was it? Don't call people master. Have you ever called anybody mister? Mister is just a, ver- a form of the word master, right? So don't just point at the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church or the Episcopalian. It's funny. They only talk about the Catholic Church. They never point their fingers at all the other churches who also have priests called fathers and say, Scripture says don't call father. That's not what it's saying. This is, this is hyperbole. This is just like when Jesus said you must hate your mother and father in order to love me. He didn't mean hate your parents because he already said in, in the commandments, honor your mother and father. This is hyperbole. This is Jesus saying, you know, before you call somebody father, remember you have a greater father that they serve. Okay. We call, we call, uh, people in the religious life, brother and sister, even though they're not physically our, our, our brother and sister, you know, they're not a, a familial relationship. We call them brother and sister. Why? Because they, they serve us like a brother or sister would. They live with us. They're part of us. They care about us. They're not our parents, but yet they care about us in, all, in an almost family-like way. Father actually came from the fact that monks were called brothers. It started in France. They're called friars. Friar means brother. Okay, so if you have a group of brothers and one of them is in charge of the brothers, who's over a group of brothers? The father. And that's where the fa- that's where calling the, the head of a bunch of religious father came from. It actually came from the friars of, of France. But they're called fathers because they serve the role of the father. They're, they're providers for, the, for their parish. They protect their parish. They help feed and, and nourish the, the parish. And that's why they're called fathers. Uh, everybody gets all upset about Pope. Pope actually comes from the word papa. Uh, the, the actual title of the role uh, is Bishop of Rome or uh, successor to the chair of, of uh, Peter. Those titles were around centuries before they were called Pope. Pope came from such a great love people had for the head of the church that they referred to them in the very informal term of Papa, uh, Father. Just like uh, in, in Scripture, we, we find uh, God being called Abba, which is not the formal Father. This is, this is, a, this is a, like a child referring to their daddy. That's what, what, what uh, Papa means. It's, the same, uh, it's a version of daddy. And so when we say the Pope, we're saying that out of, out of, a, out of a family affection, we're not trying to put him above God in, in any sort of way. In fact, it just makes us more aware of who God is. If we couldn't call anyone Father, then referring to God as God our Father has no meaning. 
if it weren't for our, the earthly meaning of father, calling God father has no purpose. Father means something when we speak of God because we know what father means to us as humans and, and our affection for, for the head of our family. And God being the head of all families is father. So what Jesus is saying is don't put anyone ahead of God. So we're not, just by calling the, the priest father or calling our own father, father, we're not placing him above God. But what we're doing is we're understanding that relationship, that, 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 that beautiful, loving relationship of a child to a, to a parent. So uh, this weekend, as, as we go into, uh, as we get closer and closer to Advent, uh, think about how your, uh, how your church serves you. How, how is your how is your priest and your your deacon serving you? You know what? If we're not doing what you need, tell us. Tell us in a loving, family like way, as you would go to a parent and say, you know, as as your child, I need more. This is what I need from you, uh, because we have the same love for our parish that a parent would have for their children, or, or a brother uh, would would have for a, for another brother or a sister. Uh, we want nothing uh, but the best. For, for everyone we serve inside and, and outside of our parish. And, and rather than look at these readings and say, you know, you shouldn't be called teacher or you shouldn't be called father, respond to it the way it's written in that these people have, have agreed to roles to love and protect and guide you. And if you don't feel you're getting that from your church or from your ministers, talk to us. Tell us how we can help. How can we love you better? That would be that would be helpful to both of us. So consider doing that, uh, and p- please uh, pray for us. We pray for you every night. Uh, please include us in your prayers that we might continue our service to you through the strength and perseverance and love that that we gain from Christ through your prayers. Thank you for listening to Good News. We'll talk to you again next weekend. This is Deacon Al on Catholic Spirit Radio. May God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.